Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As you know, if you've followed the news cycle at all in our country uh, over the past well, couple of years, even more than, earlier than that, I mean, this is not a news story. There's been some major stories around it lately, but it's not new. Um, talking about sports and, and some of the issues that have come up around organized sports, the abuse of athletes that are involved, abuse of people not, that aren't athletes by athletes. I mean, there's been some horrific stories in the Canadian news cycle, and it's trying to really bright light on the ugly side of sport and there's all kinds of work being done now to try and to change that it's you know there, there's talk of toxic culture there's talk about you know making it safer and, and all good things and i think we all agree that these kinds of incidents that we hear about we need to come up with a, a framework a way of making sure that we um, prevent them and have a proper way of responding to them should they happen that's another big issue that's part of this as well so um we've got different strategies being deployed. You've probably seen, we've talked about here on the air, where parliamentarians in Ottawa have dragged leaders of Hockey Canada and some gymnastics groups onto the carpet in, in Ottawa to grill them and ask questions. The entire board has been replaced, funding has been pulled, all those sorts of things. There's talk of judicial inquiries being brought in to try and address some of the problems. But maybe we're overlooking one option, a good one too, because it would actually involve the athletes, who are often overlooked in a lot of these conversations. To, to walk us through that, we're going to chat with Dr. Gretchen Kerr, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Kinesiology and Physical Education at the University of Toronto. Dr. Kerr, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, when we're talking about these these sports stories, the, the horrific stories that we've seen over the past several months, you know, like I said, abuse in sports is definitely not new. It's been around, but it certainly seems like there's a lot more major, major incidents and a lot more action to try and change things. Am I, is that the perception that you have, too? There's a lot more focus on the issue. Yes, you're, you're quite right. Um, these these cases of abuse, of course, have, have happened for, for decades, and there's about 50 years of, of research on this topic. But in terms of public attention and awareness on this issue, it has certainly been heightened recently. And as I said, you know, we've seen the parliamentary committees, and we know that, you know, they've had all that kind of work going on in Ottawa. There's talk of judicial inquiries and that sort of thing. I mean, those are good processes. There's nothing wrong with having those exercises, you know, run their course, right? Yes, I mean, we're at a critical juncture now where there's wonderful appetite to yeah. uh, do better um, and to fix the what have been clearly systemic and, and structural problems. Um, I think it's also an opportune moment to act because for the first time, we have athletes who are coalescing around this issue and sharing their voices and uh, calling, demanding, actually, change. Um, and so involving those athletes and responding to their needs and recommendations will be critical in the next steps. 
Is there an issue with, you know, judicial inquiries and the parliamentary committees and all the rest of that stuff that they're sort of focused on answering questions that we already know the answers to? Like they're sort of going over the ground that's already got us to that point and not really looking forward. Is that part of a problem? Well, and in fairness, uh, even though we may have different opinions about uh, what the next step should be, one thing we do share in common is that uh, we need to do something yeah, to, yeah. to change the culture of sport, and that change needs to be driven by athletes. There are differing opinions about how to do that. Um, one is a judicial inquiry, uh, and uh, while that those processes are helpful in terms of allowing athletes to tell their stories. They tend to be more backwards focused and, um, and are interested in, you know, naming, shaming and, and blaming. Um, but it, it's also restricted in terms of what it, what it actually can do. So it cannot make findings of guilt or, or sanctionings, for example. Um, and one of the concerns that many of us have is that uh, such inquiries are called uh, for very good reasons when there's a crisis, but don't actually lead to policy changes. And the best example we can give in sport is around the Dubbin Inquiry, um, which called into question the culture of sport, the win-at-all-costs attitude. And uh, if those recommendations from the Dubbin Inquiry had been implemented, we wouldn't be facing many of the change challenges we're facing now in safe sport. So the concern is that inquiries look backwards to understand the problem, and we have enough research to understand the problem. And secondly, while it gives athletes a voice, it doesn't necessarily lead to policy changes, and it, it's the whole premise is adversarial. Uh, and, and in a context now where we have divided opinions, we need a way to come together to collaborate on making real, you know, system, uh, real system change to the way sport is designed and delivered. And, and you wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail about exactly that, and you, and you talk about uh, restorative justice and how that might be the solution. Walk us through what you're thinking there. When you talk about restorative justice, what would that look like in the context of sport? Yes, yeah, so restorative justice, and, and I want to be clear that there are, are many different forms of restorative justice approaches, and this is not about uh, um, providing remedial work for perpetrators or putting um, uh, victims and perpetrators in the same room to sort things out. Instead, it's about a process that is driven by athletes it focuses on inclusion, athlete engagement, and participation, um, not just by those who, you know, are alleged to have created the harms, but to those who are part of the system and who may have been complicit uh, in allowing these harms to occur. So it's a way of kind of bringing everybody um, into the tent. The other benefit of this approach is that it's forward-looking. It, it really addresses the question, how do we deal with our past 
while building a better future. So it doesn't ignore the past, but the focus is on uh, forward-looking solutions that are come to in in a more collaborative way. Yeah, and it involves the athletes, which I think in a lot of these conversations in these their voices aren't aren't the loudest in the room and and they probably should be i mean they obviously have the most familiarity with the issues at hand and and what would work better for them as as participants in the sport it makes perfect sense you're absolutely right i mean the the athletes need to be part of of the process right from uh determining what that process should be and what it should look like uh, that will be really important. And, and in that way, we're not only uh, allowing the, the, the past harms to come forward, but we're linking those individual experiences of harm to systemic issues because that's really what it's about. It, it's not about naming, shaming, and blaming right. individual perpetrators. We, we need to focus on the whole, the whole system and the structure of sport in this country. I'm wondering, would it be harder to do? Is, is that part of the reason that we don't see this kind of approach taking? I mean, it, it's, you know, you strike a parliamentary committee, you have a judicial inquiry, it sort of, um, doesn't involve as many different participants. Is, is it more cumbersome? Is it harder to do what you're talking about? I don't think it's, it's, it's harder. I think people are less familiar with it and are less familiar with the various types of restorative approaches. Many people think of it in very legalistic terms where we're, we're trying to educate or remediate perpetrators, but there are various forms of restorative approaches that, um, have been successful in other areas where there's been a real culture change needed um and i'm thinking of cases that involved systemic racism um uh restorative processes that, that have been used with indigenous communities uh, i i think there's it, it's time to open up our eyes to mm-hmm. uh, other sectors of society where such processes have been effective and ask the question about what we can learn to use uh in the sport context Makes perfect sense to me. Um, Dr. Kerr, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you being with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.